In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In 2010, I was a senior uh, in high school. Actually, I just graduated by this point, and I went to the LCMS Youth Gathering in New Orleans, Louisiana, in late July. If you've ever been there, yeah, you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, you might know this, that the youth gathering in our denomination is always scheduled in late July, and it's usually in a big southern city that can handle an influx of 20,000 people when the hotel rates are pretty cheap, right? Because it's hot and muggy and all of that. Our church youth group arrived at kind of a camp facility attached to a church before we actually made it to our hotel. We stayed there for a few days to do some service projects, and we bunked in converted shipping containers, you know, like 40-foot-long things. Um, and the showers were also located in kind of a centrally located converted shipping container. And uh, this Minnesota boy discovered quickly that no matter how fresh and clean one felt after a shower, on the walk back to the dorm, you felt gross again. You were sweaty, it was muggy, people who wore glasses on this trip, every time we'd walk outside out of the air conditioning, their glasses would go and fog up because there was just so much moisture in the air. We got clean just to get sweaty again, almost immediately, so we had to get comfortable with a certain level of constant dirtiness. But getting dirty or sweaty is just a routine part of life, right? You can always just wash up again. God has given us water in order that we might regularly wash and be clean. You know, water is special. Ask a chemist in your life. I happen to be married to one, but find, find one, um, or you can borrow mine. Water is called the universal solvent, and you can look that up later. Water is special. You put stuff in water, and given enough time, almost everything will start to dissolve. It's, a, it's good for cleaning. And especially it's good if you've got some pressure behind it too, right? You get a pressure washer, you don't need soap or detergent, you just blast that water out of that hose super hard, and uh, yeah, you'll get her clean, okay? So, let me turn my page over. I'm used to just having this printed on one side of the sheet. Anyway, the point is getting dirty, getting clean, not that big of a deal. It's a routine part of our lives, especially with the help of water. But what about when the dirt hurts? Most of the time, it's easy to get clean again, but there are certain kinds of messes we would rather not get into in the first place. Certain kinds of messes you would rather not see your kids get into in the first place, or that you would rather not have them track into the house in the first place. We have a strong emotional reaction to certain kinds of dirtiness. I think in part because we know how hard it is to get clean again. And we'd rather just not go through that at all to begin with. Some messes are hard or impossible to fully clean up. Whether it's your carpets, or your clothes, or even your skin, some stains just don't lift. You gotta replace the thing. You gotta wait until you grow enough new, you know, skin, slough off the old dead cells, right? Sin, whether it's your sin, or someone else's sin in your life, marks you like this. And try as you might, that mark doesn't come out with water or soap. Not even Blue Dawn. Okay? That gross, tarnished, dirty feeling that sin leaves you with. That's what death feels like. While you're living. Sin leaves a stain that stings. 
and it marks us in a way that rots us. And people who feel this don't have to be convinced very hard. You know, you don't gotta, you don't gotta really twist their arm in order for them to say, yeah, let, like, I wanna get clean. I don't wanna feel this way anymore. I wanna have a clear conscience. Six months to a year before Jesus began his own ministry, his, I think, second cousin is how this works out, Mary and Elizabeth, so Mary, mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, were cousins. So Jesus and John, related, but kind of like, you know, not that closely related. Still, John begins this ministry, and he starts preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So says the evangelist St. Mark. People like you and me, stained and marked with dirt that hurt, heard that there was a way to be washed, to confess your sins, be forgiven, and be clean because God was coming. The Lord was coming. We're going to make his way ready. And Mark says that all of Judea, the region, and all of the Jerusalemites, everybody in Jerusalem went out to John. Contemporary historical accounts say that 300,000 people went out to be baptized in the Jordan River, which averages about 33 feet wide and six and a half feet deep. Not that remarkable for us who live so close to the Mississippi, right? That's a lot of people every day in a body of water not very big. People were hungry to be clean. They were desperate to be clean. Of that great number, though, how many do you think went and sinned again that same day? All of them. You're right. They're just like us. How long did they stay clean? Not very long. How long do you stay clean? Not very long. Mark notes that John was regularly calling out to the crowds that someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his shoes like a slave does when guests enter the house. He's so much greater than I am, I'm not even worthy to be his slave. He's, I baptize you with water, but he's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then one day, just as John was maybe thinking about making that announcement again, Mark uses, here's a little, tiny little bit of grammar, maybe the only grammar in this sermon, okay? He uses the imperfect form of this verb, right, which is past tense but continuous. John was regularly calling out to people, somebody greater than me is coming. He didn't just do this once. This was like a habit for him, part of his routine, part of the gig, part of the deal for those hundreds of people coming every day. He had to make sure all of them knew, this isn't it. Somebody greater is coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And John is just maybe thinking about doing that again. And he performs another baptism. He's like, okay, after, after this one, it's been a while. I should let everyone know. Mark says that the heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The voice of the Father says, you are my beloved son. To this tradesman from Nazareth, who maybe had you know, a couple nails like I do, because like one of you had told me, he hit the wrong nail, right? Fingernail instead of... Jesus, son of a construction worker, son of a carpenter, he comes along with everyone else to get baptized, and the sky rips open. You are my beloved son, the father says. With you, I am well pleased. You bring me great joy, and only Jesus sees it. 
Only Jesus hears it. Mark doesn't say that everybody else saw it or heard it. For John, it was just another baptism. For everyone else, they were like, okay, when's it going to be my turn? What's that dude standing? He's standing in the water. What's he looking at? In that ordinary, mundane baptism, like the last stanza of this hymn, all that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it. That ordinary washing, perhaps somewhere between number 400 and 500 for the day, the triune God revealed the way to finally be cleansed from sin. There was nothing special about that water. The Jordan itself, not that impressive of a river. What was special, like Miss Leanne said to the kids a moment ago, was the word in the water. And by word, I mean the word made flesh, as John says in the start to his gospel. The word of God, the second person of the Trinity who took on flesh and dwelt among us. The word went in to the water. Jesus, who was without sin, identified with us, we who are so desperate to get clean, but who also run right back like a dog to its vomit, to the sin that marks us and rots us away from the inside. Jesus was washed not because he had to get clean from anything, but because we had to. And he came for us. The entire reason Jesus was born to save us. And in this baptism, God sent Jesus to do what we could not do in order that we might finally be cleansed by faith in him, the one who did everything perfectly. The Son of God went into the water, received the Holy Spirit, and was acclaimed by the Father so that one day after his resurrection, Jesus could commission the church and say, you're going to build the church by baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is how filthy sinners like you and me finally are clean to get dirty no more. Not by scrubbing or washing or any kind of spiritual exercise that we do, but by being washed in the water and the word. After the explanation that baptism works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, Dr. Martin Luther, in the small catechism, answers this question. How can water do such great things? And I know there are a couple of you out there who could probably just give this to me from memory, but I won't put you on the spot. He says this. It is not the water, indeed, that does these things, but the word of God, which is in and with the water, and faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. For without the word of God, the water is simple water, like Miss Leanne said again. Did anything miraculous happen here? Well, our fingers got wet. But that's it. It's just normal water. But with the word of God, the water is a baptism, a gracious water of life and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the word made flesh, went into the water 2,000 years ago to receive the Holy Spirit and the Father's light so that today the Father's delight would rest on Lene and Aurora as they received the Holy Spirit, having been baptized into Christ. And the same thing happened on the day you all were baptized. On our own, you and I would never be able to finally get clean from the stains of our sins. Like, it's okay, this happens. It's all right. Like 100% humidity in Louisiana in late July, the sin within us and the sin in creation that surrounds us means we are dirty again immediately. We feel gross because of something we said or did or because of something somebody else said or did to us. 
Sometimes it happens before we even leave this place. <laughs> Let's be real. This isn't the kind of dirtiness that we can just shrug our shoulders at and say, oh, well, I'll come out in the wash. Don't worry about it. No. Sin kills slowly but surely. You can't get comfortable with the way that sin marks your soul. We've got to be clean of it. And in the baptism of Jesus, God reveals how that is possible. That little baby born in Bethlehem, acclaimed by shepherds, honored by the Magi, celebrated in the temple by Simeon and Anna, grew up and took all of our sin and shame on himself so that three years later when he was crucified and rose again, we too could say by faith, we died and were buried with Christ by our baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Brothers and sisters, the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.